bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, and I'm always happy to be part of Voice America and Voice America's lineup because Voice America helps you make informed decisions in your personal and professional life. Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. You can call us on our new listener line at 866-472-5788. We're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. We'll rebroadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And if you log on to voiceamerica.com and look at hosts, look up my name, Patricia Raskin, you can listen to the shows that are archived on the voiceamerica.com site. Today I have a great guest for you and a very interesting interview my guest is Dr. Robert Hertz, who's an award-winning short story author, uh, retired dentist, and his new book is The Unwanted Gift. And this book really deals with some very interesting subjects. It deals with levitation. It deals with miracles. It deals with how we can really get what we want in our lives. Dr. Hertz is a retired oral surgeon. He served in the Air Force in Korea. He's lectured for the National and California State Parks and has taught such widely varied subjects as architectural history, oral surgery, native people's history, as well as environmental issues. He's had numerous public space sculpture commissions and exhibited in galleries across the United States, and this is his novel, The Unwanted Gift. Welcome, Dr. Hertz. Good morning here. Good afternoon there. Right, absolutely. All right. Um, if miracles occur every day, as you state, give some examples. Yes, well, first of all, miracles are defined generally as uh, something that's unexplainable. Uh, and on a very basic level, most things that occur are not explainable. For instance, uh, when you cut yourself and you heal, we know basically what happens, but on an atomic level, we really don't know what happens. Um, and so that just the act of healing is a miracle. Uh, the fact that... Um, it heals to the degree that it goes back to the way it was. In other words, that there's an intelligence in mm-hmm. those cells uh, is certainly a miracle. Uh, the fact that we are made up of non-living atoms, but by some miracle, they all get together and become Patricia or they become me. Mm-hmm. So we're all living miracles all the time. Okay. So in talking about that whole thing about miracles, you write a lot about in your novel about levitation, and that seems to be, um, you know, something that's impossible. You state that it's possible. Well, actually, if you read the book, um, it does happen to the character, Stuart Hart, uh, and so it's a supposition that he has performed a miracle. In his search to discover how it could happen, he's told by the physicists and all the experts that it can't happen. And the reason is that it's gravity that holds the universe together. That's what keeps the planets in their positions. It keeps the air on the earth. So 
the whole fabric would disappear. So the proposition in the book that's, that is the dilemma is that he's told that it can't happen, but it does happen to him. Now, if you're asking me whether it's happened to me or whether I think it can happen, um, I would love for it to happen. And um, maybe some day, if it does, it would be a miracle. But to this point, actually, no one, no matter how many times they've claimed it, has actually levitated. Okay. And let me explain, by the way, if I can, um, sure. about levitation as opposed to flying. Um, this book was had its initiation by a dream in which I dreamt that I had died. And I was just floating in the dark. And my experience was that it was nothing. Uh, that's quite different than flying, which is a very common dream. Flying is overcoming gravity using either the force of an engine or flapping wings, but you're overcoming gravity. Levitation is neutralizing gravity. That's why it would be really, at this point, impossible. You just neutralize it, therefore there is no gravity, and therefore you just stay stabilized in space. Why does it seem to be universal as a dream to one fly? I know that there have been times that I've had a dream and I see myself flying. Why, why do you think that happens? Okay, well, I think, it's a, first of all, it is a common dream because it's our common desire, and when you think about it, we express the gravity of the situation, the weight that's pulling down on us, life that is very hard and heavy. So, of course, we would like to get rid of all of those things, and the way you do it is you get rid of the gravity of the situation, and you become light and you float away. Think of the origin of the word levitation. It has as its base levity which means happiness or joy. Um, so there's a natural want, of course, to be joyful or happy, so we dream about flying or levitation. Now, the other difference is with flying, you have control. Uh, birds have control. Birds have uh, planes, certainly hope, have control. With levitation, you don't. you just like a balloon. You just float up. So flying is actually more satisfying than levitation, and that's why we generally dream of flying because we're, getting rid of the Earth's problems, we're getting rid of mm. our heaviness, but we also have control. So um, it's, a, it's a good dream to have is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. But it may also mean that you're overburdened and that your life is so heavy that you're unconsciously trying to escape it. Mm. Uh, now, you can escape it many different ways, and including suicide, uh, you know, jumping off a building, which is a sick way to try to fly out of your problems. Um, so... That, that is primarily the basis of, of those dreams. Okay. And it's also an indication that you better look at yourself and see why is it that you want to escape. Mm. And, okay, and from so there's what? a lot of messages there. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, flying in, in uh, literature, um, you have Icarus and his father Daedalus and the classic Greeks that went all the way up to go to the sun. But if you fly too high... Uh, then, in their case, the wax that held their wings together melted, and the son who didn't listen to his father fell and died. So there's a point of moderation, which is certainly you don't want to fly too high. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a lot of a lot of messages in this whole stream of flying. It's got yes, it both, po both positive and, and not so positive. That's exactly right. But the important, important thing is to look at it. Now, with Stuart Hart, Remember, he did not fly, and because he didn't have control, normally if I were to say to someone, gee, what if you had the power to levitate, you know, to float? Oh, they say, that's fantastic. And then mm -hmm. the next question is, what would you do with it? That practically always causes people to stop, and they really start to consider, wow, what would I do with it? 
you know, what I just perform and make money, uh, or what? But the kicker in this is that you don't have control over it. So Stuart Hart, the protagonist in the book, can float, but he doesn't know when he will have the ability to do it or when he will lose the ability to do it. That's an unwanted gift because then you're always on the verge of dying mm. if you float up 200 feet and then lose the ability. So okay. his goal is to learn to control it. There's a message there, too, controlling, which is very important, that you're not just at the whims of, uh, of just the air that would float you around. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about control, because I think, you know, in some ways it's very, very important. We have to learn how to control, but in other ways sometimes we control to the point that we push things away in our life. That's right. You know, the tighter you constrict something, uh, the less... Uh, the less you actually have it because it's, it's not able to join you voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you lose control, for instance, if um, you uh, laugh uncontrollably in Mary Poppins, that's when they all levitated. They all rose. They didn't con- try yes, to do it. Yes. They just laughed. Uh, in Mary Poppins, the kids tried to fly, but they couldn't. Why? They didn't have happy thoughts. As soon as they had mm-hmm. happy thoughts, then it happened. So there's the message there. You know, let it happen. Don't clutch and don't try so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. We have a, a couple more minutes before break. You talk a lot about angels in the book. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Well, uh, Stuart Hart, again, the character in the book, uh, says, if I'm able to do this and um, it it's, would be a miracle, then uh, am, am I the only one that's ever done that? And then he sees pictures and paintings of angels. And the first thing he realizes is that, at least to his, his um, experience, he's never seen the angel wings actually functioning. They're not blurred. They're not flapping. They're, they're floating with their wings still. The wings are sort of like a symbol to show you that they're in the air, but they're actually levitating. So then he says, well, if I do what the angels do, then I must, maybe I'm an angel. And if so, angel's purpose is to be a messenger between the God or the heavens and the earth. Um, and what is the message? So he then says, maybe I've been chosen to do this, but I don't know what the message is. And then there's the two sides to that. You know, the, uh, the Satan, the devil, is a fallen angel. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you can also do evil with this. So it's, again, his search for how to control it and and what is he to do with it? Is What good can he do with this if he's able to control it? Mm-hmm. And that's how angels um, get involved in, in the story. Okay. All right. What prompted you to write this book? Well, it was that dream that I died. And uh, my wife is quite insistent that dreams, and I think rightfully so, are significant, that you rarely remember them when you wake up, so that you have to force yourself with a pad and paper alongside the bed to write it down. And that's what I did. And that was uh, what initiated the story. Now, it was rather interesting because it was in combination with the fact that I was writing short stories at the time. And, in fact, some of the short stories were autobiographic or memoirs because I have grandchildren and they wanted to know some of the family stories. So I started writing those, and then the two coalesced. And those true stories were woven within this fantasy. So, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about memoirs now and how truthful are they. Well, I think I have to categorize my novel as an imaginative memoir because you don't know me, but people that do know me or our family would recognize various things that occur in the book, but they're woven with fantasy, Mm -hmm. which has created some problems, by the way. 
Uh, well, you were my we'll talk, wife. Well, we'll talk about that right after the break. Sure. My guest today is Dr. Robert Hertz, who's an award-winning short story author. And his new book is called The Unwanted Gift. It's a novel, but it talks about miracles. It talks about levitation. It talks about what our gifts are and what dreams can do for us. So you're listening to Positive Living, and if you would like to log on to the website, uh, give us the website, please. Yes, it's R. It's R. Hertz Malibu. Well, the website is Robert S. Hertz. That's all uh, capital R, capital S, capital H, but it's all one continuous, uh, robertshertz.com. And that's capitals on the Robert and, the and, and on S and, and on H. Okay. And the well, S is important because there are other Robert Hertzes. And by the way, on the website, um, whoever goes on it will see the cover of the book, and the figure that's on the cover of the book will actually levitate off of the book on the website. Oh, great. And All the right. book is available at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or local bookstores. Okay. All right, when we come back, we'll talk more about this exciting novel by Dr. Robert Hertz. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And again, uh, you can certainly give us a call, and I'm going to grab my number in a minute. The number to call is 866-472-5788. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, Lake Bell from Surface joins us to tell us about the show, and TD-0013, our resident stormtrooper, joins us in studio to help us talk about the sci-fi that's happened this week. That's this week. On Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. Did you know the young adult generation, otherwise known as the Echo Boomers, born between the late 1970s and 1995, number 78 million in our population? They are responsible and drink less, smoke less, do fewer drugs, and commit less crime than previous generations. Advocating America's Young Adult with hosts Chloe White and Charlie Fairchild aggressively addresses the current and cutting-edge issues affecting the young adult. It is a world of inherent unfairness for this age group, and the situation continues to deteriorate. The time for meaningful change has arrived. And our Advocating America's Young Adult is here to make an impact. Tune into Advocating America's Young Adult with host Chloe White and Charlie Fairchild. West Coast Business Review and host Amy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific time on VoiceAmericaRadio.com. Visit our website at www.westcoastbusinessreview.com. West Coast Business Review's Show Me the Business, connecting you to the business world. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.
Hi, everyone. We are back listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I always say, I'm happy to be part of Positive Living, and particularly Voice America, because Voice America believes that the Internet is the future, and that the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. And again, you can give us a call at... 866-472-5788. We are here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we'll rebroadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. My guest today is Dr. Robert Hertz, and he is a retired oral surgeon, and he's quite talented. He's lectured and taught a variety of subjects. He also has had sculpture commissions, and he's also an author and novelist. This book is a novel called The Unwanted Gift. And it really deals with levitation and miracles and universal dreams and, you know, how do we move past our obstacles. And so welcome back, Dr. Hertz. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Good. And his website is robertshertz.com, and that's capital R for Robert, capital S for Sam, well, Robert S, capital S, and Hertz has a capital H, so robertshertz.com. Tell us about the character in the book, a little bit about him and, and how you developed him and why he's so important. Sure. His name is Stuart Hart. He's a 45-year-old general surgeon. Um, and at this point in his life, he is doing as most people do, contemplate where he is and where he's going. Is he very? Is he you, by the way? Well, a lot of him is me. And that's why, right. um, as I say, there is autobiographical material or memoir material in it. But as he searches his past to discover why he has this ability, a lot of the things never existed. They were they were fictitious. So there's a mixture of truth and fiction. But okay. yes, there's a lot of Stuart Hart that's that is me. Okay. All right. Go ahead. You were so he is uh, um, thinking about his life, and he decides that he should make some changes. And it's a very subtle change that he makes at first. He just decides to, ch- to shave his face a different way than he normally did. Instead of starting always on the same side, he'll start on the opposite side. Um, he'll, he maybe, uh, he would brush his teeth first and then shave, he'll do the reverse. So just very subtle changes. But subtlety is very significant because what happens soon after that is very subtly he feels a little bit lightheaded or dizzy and, um, as he's walking down the steps, he nearly trips. Luckily he has his hand on the banister because as one foot is off the step, the next foot comes off. So both feet are off the steps. He doesn't think that he's actually levitated. He just thinks that he was a little lightheaded and denies, in fact, that it happened. And then it happens again a little more significantly, and he still denies that, as anyone would when an event would occur that you don't think is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then one um, evening he is actually lying on his couch with his book on his chest, falls asleep, as you do sometimes reading, and when he awakens, he's not on the couch. He's alongside the couch, totally floating. Well, then he realizes for the first time. Now, of course, again, what would you think? Well, he thought that he had died. So very fearfully, he raises his hand in front of his face to see whether he's still there. Um, And he is. So he realizes he hasn't died, and he's actually totally floated. Mm. The other problem is who has seen it? No one. How do you go and convince anyone, even your wife or your family, that you've levitated? Mm -hmm. That's the first frustration. Um, Eventually, um, his wife does witness it. Uh, and so now they are collaborating in their efforts to try to determine why and what he can do with this. Mm-hmm. This leads him on many adventures, by the way, because um, he eventually goes to the university 
Uh, they try to demonstrate that he can do this, even videoing him in a room 24 hours a day. No one believes videos anyway because you can now manipulate them. Uh, the word leaks out. Um, he's absconded or abducted, actually, by a commercial company that's working with um, moving individuals around without using force. Uh, and they set up a meeting with him, and he's abducted from the abductors, <laughs> Uh, by mm -hmm. the government, who thinks this would really be an incredible uh, event if he could do it. Meantime, the poor guy's life is now being destroyed. He's not at home. Um, he can't believe the government would hold him captive, uh, and he's not able to perform for them. Mm. So frustration is a big part of it. And, in fact, the irony of it is is that they tell him if he is able to perform for them, um, he will be able to go home. Uh, and they, of course, will deny that he was ever even kept captive, but they will deny that he levitated because they will then have the secret and they don't want anyone else to know it. So he's caught in this tremendous web, just wanting to change his life a little bit, and it changes tremendously. So there is that hidden uh, message, which is fairly trite. You know, don't, don't wish for something because you may, in fact, get it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Let's, let's talk, tell me what you think are the real lessons here. If if you were to, if this were not a novel, and this were a book of helping people to live the kind of life they want, what would, your, what would you say? The first thing I would say is, is to recognize that there are certain laws by which we all function. And to try to resist those laws is frustration. It's, it's, um, it's been said that, for instance, if you had a maze, um, and you had rats going down to the maze, and there was food at one end, after several trials uh, and not getting the food, they would try a different way to get there. But human beings don't. They keep going down the same way. Yeah. It's frustrating. Like Who Moves My Cheese by Spencer Johnson? Yes. That's if you read that book. So it's the same here. If you can't levitate because it is going to be against the rules of nature, don't keep trying to do it. Look for some realistic way to solve your problems instead of just floating away from them. Or doing the same thing over and over. That's right. Okay, but what do you say to people who do it over and over because they're afraid of something new? They're afraid of trying, of changing. Well, what you do is you have to, some member, Stuart was very subtle at first. You can always make a very minute change. All Stuart did was change the way he was shaving from one side of his face to the other. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't believe that someone couldn't put on their right shoe instead of the left first or something like that. That's a very subtle change, but it's significant. You've actually broken a pattern. And what you're saying is that if you do that, then chances are you'll do other things. You'll break other patterns. Well, what you have is, is, is your first of all, you prove to yourself you can change that pattern. Um, by the way, when you write, um, as I have, and uh, you asked how much of Stuart Hart is me, right. uh, when you write, and especially when there's fiction, it all comes out of you. So one way or another, it is you. And for those people that read that, they will read what goes on as you. Um, and this is my first experience as a novelist to realize that there are a lot of repercussions that you have to be willing to put up with. For instance, I've had um, psychiatrists say, um, you know, that you, I, apparently you have an unconscious desire to be above everyone else because you're floating. I said, first of all, I'm not Stuart Hart. Um, but they said, yes, you are. So it's interesting when you put yourself out there as a fictitious character or a real one, you run into that problem. But to answer your question, everyone can make change. 
I can't believe that there's not one person that can't make some minute change. And that then feeds and feeds and feeds, especially if you have a success experience with it. Right, right. Okay. So what basically, although this is a novel, there are many, many lessons in it. And we have two more full segments in which we can explore the different lessons that you think that you're really talking about for people in this book. And even in your own life, I mean the fact that you were an oral surgeon and then you've, you've, you have lectured on architectural history and you've done sculpture as well as writing. I mean, you're very varied. So you have kind of gotten out of the box and tried new things and made changes in your own life. Yes, very much so. And I've been fortunate to have the energy to do it. And support. Do you think that's real important? Is... Um, well, so, there's two ways. Support is certainly important, but sometimes resistance is too. Um, then you get the personality saying, I'm, I'm damn well going to show them. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they don't think I can do it. So some people react to that and some react to support. Uh, I've had both. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've, I have decided early in my life that I didn't want to be restricted to one field in my entire life. I remember the dean of our dental school, um, when he was retiring, I was president of the class, and so I went to his wife, and I said, we'd like to give the dean a present. You know, tell me something about his hobbies. And she said, he doesn't have any. That is his life, <laughs> dentistry. Mm-hmm. And it was very, and to me, it, mm-hmm. it was significant. And I said, well, that's never going to be me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into so many other fields. And in fact, before I went into dentistry, I had taken several summer school classes, so I was way ahead in my, my uh, pre-dental program. And so um, instead of even applying to dental school, I took an entire extra year just taking all spectrum of courses at UCLA mm-hmm. um, so that before I went to dental school, den- dentistry is wonderful. You're highly educated, but it's right. still a trade. Right. Um, which, to which so what do you, before we go to the break, I assume you have children. Yes. What do you advise to your children in terms of opportunities and making their lives work and and getting to their goals and dreams? What do you tell them? Okay, first of all, the goals and dreams are very important. To have the goals and the dreams <coughs> is extremely important um, because without those, uh, where you know, how are you going to get to where you're going? On the other hand, they should be fairly broad. Uh, when I hear someone... Say if my boys say, well, this is what I'm going to be when they're 12 years old or something. That's shutting themselves out from all the other choices. So you want goals, but you don't want them to be so specific. The reason I do so many things is I had a goal because I was influenced by people that I respected. And that's why I became a dentist and then even more so an oral surgeon. And I was fortunate or unfortunate to do well enough in school that I was able to get accepted each time into dental school, then into graduate school, and so I was channeled in. You hear stories all the time of the dropouts who go into other fields and become mm-hmm. very successful. Well, I was limited because I was able to do it. Who knows if I had not been able to get in what I might have become. Mm-hmm. So I then said, well, I'm going to become those anyway. I have a son that's an architect, another son that's a lawyer, mm-hmm. and so that's how I got into architectural history. Mm-hmm formed a company with him. Uh, and so Isn't that nice to work with him? Oh, it's wonderful. In fact, we just sold the company last week, mm-hmm. so it's like the sailboat. You know, mm-hmm. you love, it's the best mm-hmm. day when you buy it and the best when you sell it. Mm-hmm. But yes, we've been very fortunate. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to take a break. My guest is Dr. Robert Hertz, who's a, a Renaissance man, very multifaceted, 
And he wrote a novel called The Unwanted Gift. And although that sounds like a negative title, it's all about getting the gifts and using your gifts, as he has done in his life. We're going to talk more about that. He's going to share more about the character and maybe read something from his book. When we come back, you can log on to his website, which is robertshertz.com, and the R is capitalized, the S is capitalized, and the H is capitalized. You're listening to Positive Living. And I'm Patricia Raskin, and after the break, you can certainly give us a call. And the number to call is 866-472-5788. Again, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. From our home to your speakers, VoiceAmerica.com. Have you put down the morning paper in disgust because they weren't reporting what you wanted to read? Have you wondered why there aren't more women's voices in the news? Well, so have I, and we're about to change that. This is former Minnesota State Senator Ember Reichgott Young. I hope you'll join me for a new radio show every Thursday all about women on the move. We'll look at what's missing in the news, the issues often ignored in mainstream media, like how does Social Security reform really affect women? Why is the Department of Labor proposing to stop collecting workforce data on women? What role will women play in Iraq's new government? We'll create that debate right here. The Ember Reichgott Young Show will have prominent women you know and inspiring women you don't know. We'll share stories of women's leadership, courage, and vision. We just need you to be part of the conversation. So join us for the Ember Reichgott Young Show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's all about you, women on the move, on voiceamerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Expand love and light in the universe. Tune into Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True with Iris Jackson every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Each week, Iris and her guests empower, encourage, affirm, acknowledge, and remind us of who we really are, providing tools and processes to fulfill our destiny passionately, victoriously, and joyously. Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True is under the guidance and direction of our beloved I Am Presence, the seven mighty Elohim, the ascended masters, and the legions of light, and is given with fervent and heartfelt wishes that all of your dreams come true and are a thousand times more wonderful than you ever dreamed possible. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And as I always say, I'm just happy to be part of Voice America because 
they really believe that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I. And that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. You can call us at 866-472-5788. We're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. Um, my guest today is Dr. Robert Hertz, who's a Renaissance man. He's a retired oral surgeon. He's been a sculptor. He's been a lecturer on history. He has written this wonderful novel called The Unwanted Gift. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how do you reach your goals and dreams and believe in miracles. Welcome back, Dr. Hertz. Yes, happy to All be right. back. Yeah, why don't you read an excerpt from your book? And what I asked you during the break to do is I want you to pick something that you think it's something that happens to the character in the book that is inspirational or is a lesson for us to reach our goals and dreams. Okay. So go ahead. I would Not too long, but something that will capture us, and then you can explain it. Right. Let me just give a little background. Uh, Stuart Hart in, has suddenly discovered that he can levitate, and he begins to think about why he was chosen to have that ability. What, was there something in his childhood that was sort of gave him that set? have that happen and so he thinks back at a time when he was only six years old and he was watching a puppet show and this would be a set for why he maybe would be a candidate for levitation uh, looking up at the puppet stage six-year-old Stuart thrilled as the world created within those pale blue walls and deep red curtains opened before him his eyes opened wide as a Pinocchio puppet danced and sang weightless as his nearly invisible strings guided his performance the puppet floated across the stage, barely contacting the floor. His little shoes tapped and his body flew up and away to other parts of the tiny world. Pinocchio could spin and spiral, glide and jump with the grace of a feather in the wind. Stuart and the other children clapped their hands. Stuart jumped up each time Pinocchio did, but he was deeply disappointed by the leaden weight of his own body. He loved Pinocchio. Hi, diddly-dee, a puppet's life for me. No, it's not a puppet's life for me. Remember, Pinocchio wanted an act, uh, to be an actor, but Stuart wanted to be a puppet. Well, he knew the correct words, but he kept singing A Puppet's Life for Me. The song in the wish became like boiling water as it cooled. The active bubbles of desire, frequent and strong, when young, gradually slowed. Finally, a few last bubbles broke the surface, and then no more. Only thin steam rising to the air as Stuart's ardor cooled and the steam was carried away by growing up. So the message is there is that as a young boy, he had this desire, and as he grew up, it evaporated. And we should not let our early desires ever evaporate. They're very significant, and they should be fostered. And that was the message that, uh, that Stuart realized when he relived this incident in his life. Mm-hmm. So, what other message would you say is there for folks reading that? Reading that particular excerpt? Yes. Well, as we had mentioned before, and as, 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 as the little boy realized, that life can be heavy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in order to escape, you get rid of the gravity of the situation. So that's why he watched these little figures floating and swirling around and, of course, the message was wishful thinking, that he wished that he could do that. I don't think there's one child that doesn't think on the way to school, gee, if only I didn't have to go to school, uh, just as the Pinocchio story talks about. 
Um, so escaping. Escape, I think, is a big part of it. Uh, but sometimes you can't escape, and sometimes it's a good idea to make what you might consider um, a confinement one that's wonderful in itself so that you don't have this desire always to escape from it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have another short story that you could read us that you think would also fit? Uh, yes. Let me read the uh, a little excerpt from when Stuart first totally experienced levitation. Uh, Stuart Hart awoke to find that he was floating alongside his couch. His eyes were wide open. Their view, the ceiling. The bright bulb caused his pupils to constrict. Everything was delicately sharp. He was lying on his back, torso, legs, arms, and head, all in one plane, as if someone or something had pulled the couch out from under him. But the couch had not moved. It was still in its place against the wall. Stuart Hart had moved. He was suspended in space. During his sleep, the sentinel of consciousness had failed to detect some force that changed him. Something had insinuated itself into his body. The sensation of self or solidity was gone. Did he still exist? Had he died in his sleep? Was he now in transition from body to spirit? Deliberately, he moved one hand towards his face, fearfully expecting not to see that hand, nor to feel his face when he touched it. He was still there, a body with physical properties. Mm-hmm. Um, spirit is mentioned here. Uh, we, I think in practically all religions and anyone thinking about, is there something more than just our corporal being, our body, um, the spirit certainly leaves. And you have people that describe near-death experiences where they've been out of body and have looked back as if they were spirits. Um, this is another message here. You know, we are not just this this being that we are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or that we see and that we clothe and that we feed. Uh, there's inherently something different, and this is what Stuart, who had not ever really thought about that much um, in the past, realized that this is there must be something more. Something is happening to him, his mm-hmm. physical body that is defying the rules of nature. Mm-hmm. So it really does make you look beyond and believe in not so much supernatural, but in the miracles. I mean, that there's something much greater beyond us. That's right. And remember, his life was directed, as most surgeons would be, pretty much goal-oriented. Otherwise, you didn't get to that particular point. Mm -hmm. And usually at the sacrifice of the other world, um, which fortunately exists around us. And it's that world uh, that's extremely important to incorporate in the physical world that we have. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. We have about three minutes left. Do you want to share one more short story or maybe a phrase that really speaks well, to empowerment? Should I tell you anything about the end of the book? Or, or Well, we'll do that in the last segment. But we're right now let's, let's look at maybe one more inspirational passage that that kind of hits you that you might want to share, and then we have a whole other segment, and you can sure. tell us about the end. Okay, the book opens with, Stuart Hart considered his mirror as the enemy. It reflected reality and forced mm. him to accept that his inner image did not always match his outer reality. If he fooled the mirror into reflecting a better image by holding in his stomach or raising his chin or flexing his muscles or holding his eyes open wider or brushing his hair, he knew that when away from that ideal was idealized view, he would soon relax and his imperfections would return. And I think this, is, again, is is um, being 
forced into wishful thinking and it, rather than accepting reality. Reality is he's 45, his skin is going to sag a little bit, his belly is going to bulge a little bit, all because of gravity. It's gravity that this story is about, overcoming it. And medically, by the way, gravity creates so many of our body problems. You, you know, varicose veins, um, hemorrhoids, pot bellies, um, sinuses that don't drain correctly, on and on and on. Uh, we are burdened by gravity. Mm. So your message there is that just look in the mirror and accept that? Well, do what you can, but it, don't, the, don't try to fool reality because what's accepted, in other words, sometimes my wife will wake up and she says, it's so cold outside. I said, well, in the winter it's cold. All right. And it's so hot. I said, in the summer it's hot. You can rail against it, you can scream against it, but right. it's hot in the summer and cold in the winter. That's accepting right. reality mm-hmm. um, and, and not expecting reality to be different because you want it to be different. Mm-hmm. But it's also normal. Right. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. My guest is Dr. Robert Hertz, author of the new novel, The Unwanted Gift. All right, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. When we come back, we're going to talk more to Dr. Hertz about the end of the novel, how this can really help us again with positive living, with getting to our dreams. He's talked about miracles, about levitation, about angels, but also, you know, how do you achieve the things that you really want to achieve in your life? So stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com 
Hi, everyone. We are back. We're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. My guest today is Dr. Robert Hertz, author of The Unwanted Gift. This is a new novel. He is a retired oil surgeon. He served in the Air Force in Korea. Dr. Hertz has lectured for national and California state parks and has taught such widely varied subjects as architectural history, oral history, Native people's history, as well as various environmental issues. He's had numerous public space sculpture commissions and exhibited in galleries across the U.S. and is also a novelist. Welcome back, Robert. How did this novel change you personally? Well, first of all, the act of writing a novel definitely changed me. Um, I am an oral surgeon, and the reason that I left dentistry and went into the specialty of oral surgery is I'm really conditioned to, to like results right away. Um, I was going to be an orthodontist. An orthodontist begins his treatment and sees the results years later. As a surgeon, when that knife cuts, you see results right then, and it appealed to me. It was over. Well, writing a novel is exactly the opposite. You can have the effects, and when you put whatever mechanism of writing, whether it's a pen or the computer, to paper, but that's not the end of it. There is um, a whole process of review and revision, which I would have never accepted before because I didn't want to redo the same thing. So it's mm-hmm. taught me to be very patient and to recognize that when it's finished, it's not finished, and be willing to listen to the comments of editorial reviewers who will send back pages and pages of corrections when you think that the computer has already done all of the, at least the, the grammar and the punctuation, but the content. And then you have to be willing to start. Now, this one has gone through uh, five complete revisions. In other words, the whole book was essentially written nearly five times. Um, and therefore, it takes a sustained interest. It takes um, persistence and uh, consistency. If you don't do it on a regular basis, you sort of lose contact with it. Over a period of time, if you started something and you wrote it a year ago, it's very hard to keep the continuous feeling uh, uh, in a steady progress. And, in fact, many times you forget. So I had to redo outlines and chapter um, contents so that I would know it, what happened where. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, to deal with... Uh, truth in time. In other words, if you say that uh, they were listening to the Bee Gees, and it was in the 1940s, there were no Bee Gees at that time. Mm-hmm. So you have to be consistent with what's going on historically at the time. Uh, you have to be consistent in, uh, if you say that it's Tuesday, and then four chapters later, you mention that three days later, they were having Sunday breakfast, it shouldn't be Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these minute details that I never, when I read, ever realized. And this uh, drove me into a lot of research in flying and developing of flying and religion and art, all of which deal with uh, many levitation experiences. You know, Chagall mm-hmm. portrayed all his, many of his figures levitating in space, uh, falling in love. It's ironic, you fall in love, but you feel lighthearted <laughs> when, you, when you do. So it changed my personality. Right. Um, my wife uh, has found that both good and bad. I'm I slightly, slightly more temperamental. Surgeons can be temperamental. Mm-hmm. I was never that temperamental in surgery, but I can be when I'm writing. Uh, and in discussing it, we have had long discuss, discussions, so it's actually brought us closer together. When you're at dinner, just the two of us can have a whole dinner discussion about a character in the book that mm-hmm. doesn't really exist. 
um, I'm writing a second novel now, and in that novel, um, I know that the mother has to get killed, and I didn't know how to kill her. And we were discussing that in the restaurant, and the waiter <laughs> stopped when we were discussing how to kill this mother. Um, and I had to explain to him, it's, you know, it's only a novel. We're not really planning on killing anyone. Um, mm. So it, it made, it made me closer to my wife, but in some ways um, isolated because I have to be alone when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And it certainly changed my personality to, to be willing Tell to... Tell us about the end of the book and, and what we need to know there. Yes, yeah, so what happens is Stuart's continuous search for control and the meaning behind his ability to levitate. Well, he eventually concedes when he feels that he can do it adequately to show the world that he really can. And he's hired a real PR guy who puts on big extravaganzas and agrees to perform in front of... Uh, huge audience in a major stadium so that there can be no denial that it actually occurred. But he's not able to perform uh, because sometimes the more you try, the less you can do. And Mm -hmm. the message and what happens is he's so convinced that he can do it and he tries so hard that he can't. And he just lies there on this stage like a lead weight. Now, early in his life, he had seen a freak show in which a man was lifting a 250-pound cast iron anvil, you know, which they used to hammer the horseshoes on, horribly with nipple rings and chains from his, from his chest. Mm. Um, and he barely could do it. When Stuart Hart was visualizing, levitating, what he saw was himself as the anvil and being unable to be lifted. Well, he's so depressed um, and so convinced that now he'll never be able to levitate that he forgets and he actually goes for a walk on the beach. Now, normally, he would either tether himself or carry weights because he never knew when he was going to float away. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, he did neither, and he, nor did he tell his wife. He just took off, and he, before he realized it was floating, and he was floating over the ocean, and it was at dusk, and eventually he floats so high that he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, his thoughts as he suboxygenates are review of his life. As they say, your life goes in front of you. And um, the worst thing is he realizes that, that no one's ever going to look for him because he's not on the earth. They're never going to find him. He's floating. Well, he is eventually mm-hmm. found by a commercial plane that sees an object floating, and eventually they bring him down. Uh, and then the last um, chapter, the last page of the book reads, his wife's name is Joanna. At 6 a.m., Joanna and the boys responded to the doorbell. Sleepily, they opened the door. Two policemen stood there. Taller of the two moved his mouth without speaking, while his partner looked down at the ground for a moment. Has my husband been found? Tell me, Joanna pleaded. Please, let's go inside and sit down, Mrs. Hart, the shorter policeman said. As they walked slowly together into the living room, Randy, the oldest son, veered away from his mother and reached for the arm of the couch to steady himself. What's wrong, Randy? His mother asked despondently. He looked at her. Mouth hanging slightly open, eyes fixed, his skin drained of his usual color. When he answered, his voice seemed to come from a place of panic. I just felt that I was drifting away, losing my balance. And that's the way the story ends. So it's mm-hmm. leaving you that Randy is probably going to have the same thing happen to him, his son. Then there is an ending after the ending, and it says the year 2352, so approximately 300 and some years from now, 350 years from now, the first grade students floated into the classroom. Its walls, floor, and dome ceiling all glowed with a comforting light. It was a room without chairs. 
I want you all to stay at eye level, please, the teacher said. Who can tell me? Who was the first man to levitate? She pointed. Lucos, do you know? His voice responded eagerly. I know. Stuart Hart. So the implication is that he was just the first of a mutation that was going on where everyone in the future will be able to levitate. Interesting. Do you believe any of this for yourself? Do you think we will? Um, I, well, we have done so many things that I think are, would can be considered unbelievable just a short time ago. Uh, that I, I, I believe that even though it seems to defy natural law, that something may happen. Because, you know, we now know that various particles have been shown to be in two places at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about a split particle, mm-hmm. but the same uh, charged particle in two places at the same time. It defies anything that we would consider to be reality, but it's been shown that that can happen. So if that can happen, if you can be in two places or an atom can be in two places at the same time, the same atom, I'm not sure that anything is beyond uh, Mm -hmm. uh, possibility. Mm -hmm. Closing thoughts, Dr. Hertz. If people get one thing out of this program on positive living and the unwanted gift, um, turn that unwanted gift into something wanted. Yes. What what we learned from this is that it was an unwanted gift and that Stuart Hart did not... Well, first of all, it was a gift that he wanted. He wanted his life to change. So the first message is be ready for the change that you're asking for because Mm -hmm. it may come in ways that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Mm -hmm. when it does come, understand its significance and take advantage of it, which Stuart Hart did not do. Uh, He became frustrated and angry um, and instead of just flowing with whatever the results were, and it eventually caused his death. So I think mm-hmm. that, and the third thing would be that probably anything is possible. And there is a hidden message here, too. Stuart Hart thought he was unique. There's one point where he keeps saying, why was I the only one chosen to have this ability? Why me? And then he just comes through the back of his mind, maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe mm-hmm. these stories that they talk about in India of people or maybe some of the magician's tricks are not really tricks, or maybe Christ really did walk on water, which, by the mm-hmm. way, do you know, just recently the theory was that there were two periods in that time that Christ lived in that part of the world where mm. the temperature was low enough to freeze water. Wow. And if they believed that he walked on a layer of ice mm. that, was, that had a melted layer of water above it, so it looked like he was walking on water, that would be a physical explanation. All right, so closing right. thoughts, two, ten seconds. Closing thoughts is accept what is reality. If you wish for a change, accept the change. Mm-hmm. And don't always expect that it's going to be positive, but keep a positive attitude. Mm. That's Thank you so much. Stay on the line. Thank you so much, Dr. Robert Hertz. The Unwanted Gift is his book, and you can log on to robertshertz.com, capital R, capital S, capital H. Thanks so much for coming on the program. You're welcome. Thank you. Hold on. Folks, next week you're going to join Dr. Teresa Cesarek, Ph.D., successful entrepreneur and consultant to organizations and individuals. She will discuss the nine traits of winning passionate pursuers based on her research and her book, Pursuit of Passionate Purpose, Success Strategies for a Rewarding Personal and Business Life. So, again, folks, uh, you can log on to her website, PursuitOfPassionatePurpose.com. My website is RaskinResources.com. These shows are archived on the Voice America site, so go there and look at host Patricia Raskin. And until next week, for Positive Living and for VoiceAmerica.com, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great day.
Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. 